So it's lovely to be with you, whether you're here in person or joining us online. It is great to have you with us this morning as we begin this new series, Eat, Drink, Talk. Uh, some enjoyable things that we do um, and that we do regularly. And we're starting this morning with a story from Luke and chapter 5, verses 27 through to 32. Uh, they may be familiar words, but our prayer is that God will um, speak to us afresh through them this morning. After this, Luke writes, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So come with me, if you will, to Capernaum some 2,000 years ago. Levi... Matthew, as we might know him, was weary. Not an ordinary weariness from a day's work, not even the kind of bone weariness that he saw on the faces of Zebedee's sons when they came to pay him their dues from the fishing. No, he was soul-weary, and he could not see any way that it could change. He hadn't always felt this way, as a teenager, like his friends, he had wondered if a rabbi might choose him. He would watch and listen carefully when the traveling teachers, full of wisdom, visited the synagogue, looking for the brightest and best to choose. Each time he wondered, perhaps this one would call him. But it never happened. Perhaps it was then the sense of rejection seeping deep into his soul, that the intense weariness began. Levi didn't know what God thought of his occupation, but he knew far too well what those around him thought. Each day he sat at his booth, near the shore of the Sea of Galilee, papyrus and quill at the ready. His job was to collect taxes from the local businessmen on their imports and exports, or fishing catches. And also from passing traders who would come along the road to Capernaum, heading east. He did not like that the money he collected went to the coffers of Herod Antipas. And it didn't matter to anyone else that unlike many others, he was scrupulously honest. It was thought acceptable to lie to him, and they knew he knew that they often did when he asked them the inevitable intrusive questions of his trade. Both those that he dealt with directly and those who were just passing by varied in how they treated him. At best, he was the butt of their jokes, 
catching snippets as they passed by and sniggered. Some simply glared at him, their disgust evident on their faces. Some almost threw the money at him, not wanting to handle the non-Jewish currency that he was forced to deal with. Some muttered insults under their breath. Traitor. Collaborator. At times in the darkness, he felt fear, for he knew that the zealots targeted tax collectors for attack. The worst thing, though, was becoming an outcast, a pariah. He was excluded because of his trade from the synagogue. In the past, he had listened with joy to the scriptures and felt a sense of awe, a hunger to know more of God. Now, he felt, this was denied him forever. One of the things that Levi found hardest, at least, no, one of the things that Levi found hardest was that no one, at least no one respectable, would ever come to his house anymore. In his mind, he understood, eating with someone showed acceptance and he was no longer acceptable. Worse, if people did associate with him, then they were considered unclean and they wouldn't be able to take part in worship either. Yeah, he knew why, but it hurt his heart. So to try to assuage his loneliness, he learned to embrace a whole new social group, local Gentiles, fellow Jews who could not or chose not to keep the Jewish law as required. And yes, even some who found themselves on the margins because of their own behavior. He had learnt to feel at home with these people that no one else would be seen with. Yet somehow he still felt a deep sense of loneliness, a sense that something was missing. His name meant joined, and at one time he had been proud to be joined to his tribe and to his nation. Now it felt as though he wasn't joined to anything. Levi had often seen the rabbi Jesus as he taught on the edge of the shore and caught snippets of that teaching as the crowds dispersed and talked about it. He was intrigued, but he assumed this rabbi would be like all the others he'd encountered and been rejected by all those years ago. On one occasion, as he walked past, Jesus had looked at him. It had almost unnerved Levi, as though Jesus was looking at him, really seeing him in a very different way. But still nothing had prepared him for what happened that day. Again, Jesus had been teaching, and Levi had strained to listen, but he couldn't catch the words. As Jesus went to leave, instead of passing by the customs house as usual, without a moment of hesitation, he walked straight up to Levi. Levi was horrified. Was this teacher, like all the others, about to condemn him? Again, Jesus looked at him. And Levi's heart leapt. In Jesus' eyes was something that Levi had not seen since he was a child 
and it took him a moment to recognize it. It was love. For a moment, he didn't hear Jesus' words, words which shocked him, exhilarated him, words which he knew signaled a new beginning. And when they finally sunk in, it meant that the soul weariness that he had felt for so long lifted in an instant. Follow me. So, without a backward glimpse, glimpse, with no idea of the road ahead, but drawn by the love and acceptance that he had longed for and finally found, Levi got up and started his new life. A fresh adventure had begun. Now at last his money could be used for something. He threw a huge feast, smiling broadly as he organized it all. He invited all his friends, every last disreputable one of them. People, perhaps, we might have been uncomfortable to sit with. Not for a moment did he doubt that Jesus would want to meet them. He knew that the love he had felt was not just for him, but for all. As they arrived, he called, come in, come in, welcoming them in to meet Jesus. He watched as Jesus spoke to each one, laughing with some, listening with care to others, reaching out to touch those who were uncertain how this good man might treat them. Jesus' disciples were there too. Levi never dreamed that he would be eating with the fishermen whose taxes he had collected or with a zealot, who without Jesus he would have been afraid of. But there was so much joy. And yes, he sensed healing too, at the very deepest level of people's souls, including his own. He was content at last. He should have realized, of course, that the news of Jesus eating with such a crowd would not go unnoticed. A servant told him that the religious elite, the Pharisees and the scribes, were at his door complaining to Jesus' other disciples about the company they were keeping. How could they associate with such people, tax collectors, sinners, the lowest of the low? They didn't dare to challenge Jesus himself, but Jesus came out to meet them anyway. You don't get it, do you? He said. These are exactly the people I have come for, those who know they need me. They are getting a brand new, turned right way up life. And that was what Levi had found. And it was news too good to keep to himself. He wanted everyone to know. So, Come back with me now to the present, 28th of May, here at CBC or home online, wherever you may be. What might Levi's story have to say to us? Well, first of all, there's something, isn't there, about leaving everything behind? I wonder if you, like me, often wonder with the Bible story if they would just tell us a little bit more. You see here, I want to know, surely Levi must have taken what he collected that day to the authorities and handed his notice in properly. 
But we do know that he followed Jesus that day, leaving his occupation behind. His life changed, and his name too. He became Matthew, meaning gift of God. He went on to write the gospel in his name, and according to tradition, took that gospel to Ethiopia before being martyred there. But what about us here? Are we curious about Jesus? Interested, but not really sure whether he can love us? If you hear nothing else this morning, please hear this. Jesus loves you far, far, far more than you realize. He loves to take broken, messed up people and love them into life. It is his speciality. He stretched out his hands in welcome to you on the cross. He adores you. Do talk to Lawrence or one of the team here if you want to find out more. If you're watching online, get in church, get in touch with the church. They would love to speak to you more. And what about those of us who have been following Jesus for a long time? Is there anything that we might still need to leave behind to follow Jesus more closely? It might not be anything dramatic. It can be something we can easily overlook, like a habit or an attitude that's simply not God's best. Or that thing that's become too important, more important than our relationship with God. It's so easy, isn't it, to become like the Pharisees, to start relying on ourselves, the things we do, coming to church even, and not realize that we need to be changed as well. And then secondly, there's something here about insiders and outsiders. I read a quote from Tim Keller this week. He writes this, Jesus' teaching consistently attracted the irreligious while offending the Bible-believing religious people of his day. Today, the licentious and liberated or the broken and marginal avoid church. Oh, doesn't that break your heart? That the very people that Jesus came for feel that they're not welcome in church. A few years ago, I did a six-week stint on jury service, and one of my fellow jurors said that the church would collapse if she walked in. She thought church were for people who got it all together. Six months later, to my delight, she did walk in, and she found the church didn't collapse. It was nothing like she feared. Dear sisters and brothers, this church and every church must be places where everybody is welcome. Absolutely everybody. Nobody excluded. And somehow we need to get that message across to those who feel they couldn't darken the door. Luke's gospel is full of people having meals with Jesus, some of which we're going to look at in the next few weeks. And meals embody welcome and friendship. But they can also signify who's in and who's out, who gets the invite and who doesn't. The Jewish laws meant Gentiles and Jews couldn't eat together, and those who were deemed not to keep the rules couldn't eat with those who thought they did. 
There's a huge challenge here, isn't there? Do the things we do as Christians, even perhaps the language that we use, actually exclude people, suggest that there are insiders and outsiders? Are there any people, I wonder, who we feel are beyond God's love? How can we really be inclusive to absolutely everybody? One more quote, this time from one of my favorite authors, Rachel Held Evans. She says this, The folks you're shutting out of the church today will be leading it tomorrow. That's how the Spirit works. Is there anybody we wouldn't welcome here? Because they might be the very people that Jesus is calling and who have a significant part to play in the kingdom. And then finally, what about our eating and drinking as an opportunity to share the love of Jesus? Jesus reached out through time shared, eating and drinking. He must have been a lot of fun to be with, don't you think? He was always at the party. Outsiders became insiders, eating with him. So what if our eating and drinking became mission opportunities as well? The easiest place to start, I reckon, is to begin practicing with our sisters and brothers. When we have a meal together, is it simply for fun? Now, don't mishear me. I'm not against fun. Fun is a really good thing. God invented fun. But sometimes as well, we need to take the opportunity to pray with each other, to find out what God is doing in each other's lives, a bit like we did at the start of the service. To recognize that Jesus is with us just because we're together. And then the challenge is that only Christians that we see socially, when we've been Christians a long time, sometimes our kind of friendship groups shrink. So it's only people who know and love Jesus. But what about others, like our neighbors or people in our family who don't know him? Sometimes we need to take the simple opportunity to invite them in and see what God might do. And what difference might it make if we saw every meeting that we ever have with anybody as meeting with Jesus? That breakfast or lunch meeting with a work colleague. Because we have the spirit of Jesus within us, that meeting for them too is a meeting with Jesus. We may not be able to talk about him and we need great wisdom, but it is simply because of who we are and because we take his spirit with us. A good start can be to pray before we go and to seek to see things as Jesus sees them, to be open to where the Spirit is already at work. It doesn't need to be lavish or a full meal. That coffee and cake with another parent, another grandparent, time that we come into contact with others can be time with Jesus too. An opportunity for him to reach out with his love. Because of Levi and a meal with Jesus, others were changed. What about us? Let's pray together. We've sung and heard a lot of words and I've spoken lots of words off the back of God's word. And Let's just take a moment in quiet to ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to each one of us? Holy Spirit, come and speak to us, we pray.
Lord Jesus, you call each of us to follow you. Help us to see other things that you want us to leave behind so that we can do that. Nudge us, Lord. Keep highlighting it in the diary of our lives so that we can see what it is and help us to be obedient. And Lord, thank you that there are no outsiders with you. Everybody's welcome. And I want to pray that in our lives, in this church community and in church communities more broadly, please, Lord, help us that that's the message that people receive, that they are welcome and loved wherever they may be at, whatever's going on in their lives, whatever choices they've made, that you love and welcome them in. Help us to do that, to be that kind of church family. And maybe take a moment to think ahead to the people that you and I will encounter this week. What's the Holy Spirit doing in those situations, in those lives? And how can we make sure that we don't get in the way, but instead become part of the way that you are at work? Help us, Lord, to see every place we go, every meeting we have, every chance encounter across the hedge with a neighbor as a meeting with you. And Lord, for that to happen, we need to be filled afresh with you. So come, Holy Spirit. Fill each one of us. We need to be filled with you again and again. And thank you that you love to do that. In Jesus' name and for his glory we pray. Amen. Let's, um, let's continue in an attitude of prayer. As the Lord is speaking, the Lord is challenging, the Lord is filling. Um, so let's just stay in this space uh, before we sing our closing song. Let's just continue to receive from the Lord.